Welcome to Getting In, a college coach conversation hosted by Elizabeth Heaton. On this show, the team of experts from Bright Horizons College Coach aim to demystify college admissions and finance. From choosing the right college, developing a payment strategy, creating a high school plan, and more. Each episode will help guide your family through the various steps of the process. Now, here is your host. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Getting In, a College Coach Conversation. Uh, It is two weeks until November 1st, October 15th. This is crunch time for all of you seniors out there. So if you've been working on your applications, but you've kind of been doing it a little half-heartedly and you're planning to hit any of those November 1 deadlines, now is the time to really, really put a lot of effort into it. Um, And actually, for those of you applying in the early action round at UNC Chapel Hill, today is your deadline. So I hope you're ready to submit. Okay, we are today going to be talking about some more supplemental essays. We do a number of segments every fall around supplemental essays. We did one earlier this uh, fall already around the Why This College essay, but today we're looking at all of the Why This College essays in the Ivy League um, because there are some nuances to a few of those that we wanted to discuss. Uh, It's also really a great time to be finalizing your college list and you want to look at your college list from two perspectives, both the admissions perspective and also the finance perspective. And we're going to start with that. Uh, And joining me today to take us through how you think about finances in relation to your college list is Alex Gonzalez, who works here with me at College Coach and is also a former financial aid officer at the University of Portland. Hi, Alex. Hi. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thanks for joining the show today. And this is really important consideration. It's always been important. College is expensive, and it's such an important thing to keep in mind when you are deciding where to apply. Not only where can I get in, but also what can I afford? And I feel like this year more than ever, there's so much economic uncertainty around the pandemic. Feels like a really timely thing to be discussing today. So I think the first question that most families have is, how how do I estimate how much financial aid I might get from a college? So how do I figure out which colleges are going to be in that affordable range for me? Yeah, yeah. So there's a there's kind of a lot of factors in there, and gotcha. and I definitely want to think about it as you're thinking about the forest rather than the tree rather than the pine cone. We want to have a great balance list in this process. And so um, we'll give you an overview of that. And then what can you do really to kind of um, have that balance list? So what is a college going to do? There's some kind of things that will be a part of it that will be very upfront. They'll let you know what the cost is going to be. And then there's some mystery. So after you submit, then you kind of get to know what the college expenses might might look like. So know that the cost of attendance is a part of the equation. The college is a financial aid award philosophy. Um, whether or not they have need-based scholarships uh, or, or, or grants, merit-based scholarships. Um, if the school is private, if the school is public. Uh, and then also kind of your expected family contribution or your EFC plays a factor in what the cost is going to look like. Got it. So how do you figure out what your EFC is and what does that tell you about the rest of the college and kind of help you understand 
what your larger award might be once you understand what you are going to have to pay. Yeah, yeah. Um, so many seniors are and families and their families are going through this process right now. The applications for federal financial aid and the CSS profile are available. Um, and you might have already filled out those financial aid forms and gotten that a- a EFC and said, what does this mean? Um, and you're going, it's a large number. It's a small number. How does it compare? What is this, what I need to bring to the table? Um, it's a little bit more complex than that. So it is your expected family contribution. It does help colleges determine your, determine your financial need eligibility in relationship to their philosophies. And so there's going to be a kind of some of you might not pay exactly what your expected family contribution is uh, relative to the cost of attendance or what their philosophies are. Um, but n- do know that it's going to potentially look at kind of primarily need-based financial aid. Um, this will not affect your merit scholarships or kind of your academic scholarships or those classic scholarships you read uh, about in blogs or you know see in movies when they you know open up the piece of paper and they say, oh, I have a scholarship. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, so how do you figure out, because we, when we talk about college lists, we often talk about them from a, fi- from an admissions perspective, right? How likely am I to be admitted? And for those schools where we feel like you are really great, you look like a really great candidate for that school, we might call it a, that's a safety school for you. And a school where you look a lot like the average accepted applicant is going to be a match in a school where maybe the average accepted applicant's a little bit stronger than you are, that's going to be a reach, or it's so selective that it's a reach for everybody. Can you apply those same sort of tags to colleges from a financial perspective, right? Can you have financial safeties, matches, and reaches? And how does that work? And how do you figure out where those fall? Yeah, you can. You can use some of those admissions Uh, criteria to kind of project a little bit of what the likelihood uh, for some scholarships is. Now, it really does depend on the philosophies. So we're talking about Ivy League schools, you know, in the next segment, those schools, everyone is a quality applicant to be accepted. And so they operate in a different way. They're going to be really upfront about what it's going to cost. So um, they're going to have a need-based philosophy. And so if your expected family contribution is below the cost of attendance, you can expect the difference. Or if it's above, you can expect paying full cost. And so that might be a challenge for some families um, to cover. If your expected family contribution is a lot lower, then you are going to be eligible for a lot more need as well. So it's really relative and and using a net price calculator at those schools that meet 100% of a family's need can be really helpful to determine really what you need to prepare for the cost. We won't know exactly until we're admitted, but then, uh, but it gives you an idea of what your, your cost might be. Right. For the, sorry. Oh yeah. For those, this is where I was like, that's the easy one. But now now when you look at kind of merit, that's when we don't know. Uh, Just like you kind of are uh, tailoring your application, your, your likelihood of being admissions, you're kind of looking at merit scholarships in that same way. You have a likelihood of receiving a scholarship of a larger scholarship at a school that might be on your 
um, safety or your no problem. Uh, you have less of a likelihood at a school that's a um, maybe a target. Um, and then at those challenging and, and highly selective reach schools, you might have less scholarships when it comes to merit as well. Right, right. And to be clear, and Alex, you sort of said this, but I do want to be clear. When you, t you referred to the Ivies, they are all need-based, which means they give no merit at all. And so it is all going to be based on your family's contribution. Um, but you did mention something in there that I just want to briefly touch on. Um, which is, you said, net price calculator. Can you just quickly let people know, we have talked about net price calculators on the show before, but just a quick refresher on what that is. Yeah, on each, so on uh, a financial aid website is, is some, a, a must stop in kind of building your college list. By going here, you can kind of get an idea of what their philosophies, do they offer merit, do they offer need-based, but they will also have, so schools are required to have a net price calculator. Now, some net price calculators are better than others. Some will include merit in the equation or others will include need. And so for those schools that meet 100% of a family's need or larger amounts of need, it'll be, uh, it, it, it's a good um, tool to use to kind of find what that expectation looks like. Right. And if you have a list that is all, is filled with only schools that do um, need-based financial aid, meaning they do no merit at all, then essentially you may, if you feel like your expected family contribution and the net price calculator is giving you information that says to you, yeah, we can afford this, then it could be that every single school on your list is a financial safety. But if on the flip side, you're not getting any aid at all, and you feel that you need some, it may be that you have only financial reaches on your list, if that describes your list. So um, I, I think that's the thing you have to be careful of, right? So if they're all no need, or they're all only need-based financial aid, and you don't qualify for financial aid, you're going to be paying full price at every one of the schools on that list. Yeah. And so there's still opportunity to attend a great school, a selective school, but have merit opportunity as well. So a lot of colleges will say, hey, we know that you're a great student, you have a lot of choice, and think about those merit scholarships as recruitment scholarships. They're trying to attract you to come. You're a great student, you're the top student, you're, you, you help their, their uh, class, their help, you're helpful in their class because you're gonna ask great questions. And so, by applying to schools that also have merit opportunities, that could lower that cost and make it more affordable over those four years as well. Right. Um, and still have that great education. Right, exactly. And so how do you know um, if you if your list is balanced? So in, the, in our next segment, we're going to be talking about creating, a, well, not creating a college list, but finalizing your college list. And one of the questions always is, do I have a balanced list? How do you know when you have a balanced list from a financial perspective. Yeah, and I think this is where the word safety schools kind of differ mm -hmm. in a financial list versus a um, an admissions list. Is we look at safety schools as opportunities to increase your chances for merit-based scholarships. Yeah. Um, or that potentially those safety schools might be a public university in your area and you receive a discount based on your residency. Mm -hmm. And so instead of those high costs, your residency gets you a lower cost. 
And so really having a balance and having a little bit more of those safety schools, quote unquote, mm-hmm. as think of them as opportunities for, for larger scholarship opportunities or lowering that cost or managing that cost. And you can still get a great education. Honors programs at your state university might have additional dollars. Department scholarships uh, might have additional dollars because you rise to the top. Um, And so taking advantage of that and having that balance uh, creates that. So making sure that every, that you have a couple of schools in every kind of location. By no means am I saying, don't apply for those challenging schools, Uh, please do. But do know that we we won't know exactly what it's going to cost until we are accepted, and then we can compare and contrast those numbers. Right, right. I do have to say, though, I mean, if you really feel like you can't afford $75,000 a year for a school, which I don't know a lot of people who could, I certainly couldn't write a check for that. And then you're applying to schools where you're not going to qualify for any financial aid. And the cost is $75,000 a year. To at your point, Alex, I'm not sure I would say don't apply, but I think you really do have to think long and hard before you get that acceptance in hand. Is it realistic? You know, it's great to get in, but if you can't go, I almost feel sometimes like that's worse. And if going means putting yourselves, you know, $300,000 in debt, that's a lot of money to owe at a young age um, or for as parents to take on if you ever hope to retire. So really, we so strongly encourage to that you be reasonable and honest with yourselves about your finances so that you don't wind up faced with that choice um, and really do try to at least have some financial safeties in there. And as you say, those could be phenomenal options um, yeah. you know, from an education point of view. So yeah. Ultimately, we want you to be successful. The college wants you to be successful and there for four years. Right. And so um, really asking those questions, not only is my college list uh, well balanced, but what ultimately can I pay? You know, what does my budget look like? Asking those questions and incorporating your student as well, because they're they're in the seat. They're taking the classes. Uh, They might have debt. Um, and so what does, you know, when you're borrowing, if you're going to borrow as a portion of that, that uh, ability to pay, what does that monthly payment look like? You know, what are those attributes? You know, um, I work with a lot of families that go, okay, you're going to, during this process, this is the, the college list is an, an open door to opportunity, but it's not a decision of where we're going. Right, right. Although I do feel like it can be a much tougher conversation if you get into a school that isn't affordable, um, if you haven't at least been having the conversation up front about what you can afford and what is realistic so that everyone's on the same page. Um, That's something that my parents did with me early on, and I remember being kind of frustrated by it. But when decisions started coming in, there wasn't a lot of unhappy feelings because I sort of could look and say, okay, well, that's not going to be realistic. We can't afford that, but this is more realistic and we can afford this. And I think that it's helpful to incorporate the whole family into that. So everybody is on the same page and you avoid um, a lot more stress at the end of it all. Alex, thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for having me. All right. Well, we're going to be back in just a minute and we are going to talk then about putting together that final college list from an admissions perspective. So don't go away. 
Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. When it's time to go through the college admissions process, look to Bright Horizons College Coach for ethical guidance and customized support. Our educators will get to know your students' ambitions and talents, help highlight hard-won achievements, and create a plan for getting into a top-choice school. That plan includes helping your student choose classes and extracurriculars, create a college list, brainstorm and edit essays, and navigate college financing options. Visit GetIntoCollege.com to learn more. College admissions can be stressful, but Bright Horizons College Coach is here to help. Our college experts, who worked in admissions and financial aid at some of the nation's most selective institutions, offer ethical, customized assistance based on each student's individual strengths and interests. Students receive one-on-one guidance throughout the process, and our 100% success rate means all of our students have been accepted to college. Visit GetIntoCollege.com to learn more. You are listening to Getting In, a college coach conversation. To submit a question for an upcoming listener Q&A segment or to suggest an idea for a future segment, please send an email to gettingin.voiceamerica at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. All right, welcome back, everybody. We are continuing the conversation about the college list. In our previous segment, we were focused on developing or finalizing. We're past the developing stage here. We're, we're talking to seniors right now. There'll be tips here for juniors and other underclassmen, but right now we should be in the stages of finalizing your college list. Um, and we talked about that from a financial perspective and my colleague, Abigail Anderson is here today. She's a former uh, admissions officer. I was gonna say financial aid officer, but admissions officer at Reed College. Uh, and she's here today to talk with me about this part of the process, finalizing a college list from the admissions perspective. Abigail, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for letting me chat about this part of the conversation with you, Beth. I I think it's a really important one and I wish everybody were doing it right now. So this is great. (laughs) (laughs) I am encouraging all of my students. Every time we talk, I'm saying, is this the final list? This is the final list, right? Is this the final list? And I have one student who it's been the final list for probably a month and a half now. I have another student who says it's a finalist, but then every once in a while I'm hearing about a school. I've said, okay, this isn't on the list. So is this going on the list? Let's talk about it. Um, And then I have another student where I'm waiting on, there's four more schools coming, but I'm Mm. waiting to find out what those are. So what are you thinking and focused on when you are working with a student and you're trying to nail down what that final list is. Oh my gosh. I think that there are so many things to think about and consider. And I mean, that's why we're doing a whole segment on this, of course. I think the the first thing at the top of my mind is the balance of the list. So the, the actual number to me within reason is less important as long as there's a really strong or even balance across at least the no problem and just right categories. Um, and then the second thing I look for is definitely and and strategize about is the number and the amount of, you know, number of weeks we have left on the calendar and before deadlines. And um, I think actually 
maybe those are one and two together. Maybe they're not one then two. <laughs> right. Right. I, I know for me, one of the things I'm thinking about at this point in this stage in the process, I also have a good sense of how quickly or not a student writes, yeah. how many drafts it's it's taking to get the writing to where it needs to be for that application. And I would say that in general, when we look at finalizing the list, my expectation is that it will be somewhere between 10 and 12 schools. And I really, really, really stress that it shouldn't be more than that if we can avoid it at all costs. Um, because what I find is that when the list is longer than that, a lot of times it's just, well, I, I just kind of want to throw this one on there. Or um, it's a fear that they're not going to, I don't, I don't know if it's a fear they're not going to get in anywhere or a desire to see all the places they can get in. But what I do know is that applications start to suffer when we add too many schools. And so curious if you are seeing similar things or your thoughts on that. Always. I think that's <laughs> one of the biggest, biggest struggles is that there are so many colleges out there and students, it's, it's, it's kind of like with writing, I think it's harder to be concise and write something in two sentences than it is to write a whole essay. Yes. And I think it's easier to have a really, really long list than to really have each um, school fit exactly the role that it should on your list. So meeting most of your selection criteria and, for example, being a safety school. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, sorry, I, but I was just going to add, yes, and when you say that, um, I also think you should be able to tell me why, why that school, right? Yes, absolutely, and that's going to serve you in so many ways. It's going to serve you in putting forth a better application, but it's also going to mean that when your decisions start coming back in March, you're going to be truly excited about each hopeful yes that you get. Yes, exactly, and um, I think the other thing this year is very difficult. So I do appreciate that, you know, for some of my students, they haven't visited any of the schools on their list. For some, they visited some of the schools on their list. And there were other schools they planned to, to visit and see if they liked it or if they didn't. And now that, that opportunity has been eliminated. Um, and so that makes it really difficult. It is just as it is maybe not ideal to always be learning via your computer. It is probably not always ideal to take the tour online, right? You can't veer off the online tour and go see what you want to see for yourself. So what kinds of, what is your advice to your students this year who are facing those challenges? Oh my gosh. I think it's just so hard and it's definitely an added challenge of COVID. Um, but I think at the same time in, in the kind of the other half of my mind is going to Sure, if we do maybe more than 10 to 12 schools, the problem is going to be that you most likely won't be doing your best work. You'll be submitting some sloppy supplements, and that is not going to serve you. And it might even um, serve to disservice you. You might end up, you know, getting denied at some schools we thought you would really get admitted to. Yes. Um, and that's really, really tough to reckon with. Um, I do think what I think even in the last like three to four weeks, I've seen some schools really up their virtual visiting 
game. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I am encouraging students who started this process over the summer to go back and like re-virtual visit some school because I think a lot of colleges over the summer took that break and that time and put resources into improving the online visit experience. Yeah, one thing I'm I'm noticing, and I'm noticing this also because I'm doing these with my son, is that uh, what I enjoy more than just the pre-taped online tour is now we're seeing that they're doing actual tours led by students, right? Mm -hmm. And those are pretty cool. I think those are much better than the static tour. Yes, and so many more live and interactive information sessions. And I know those can be harder to like schedule and get into, but... I think you'd be you'd be trying to do it if you were in person anyway, so it's worth prioritizing. Right. And now you can do it from your desk. There's no travel time. Um, so I agree. I, I think so. And I also think the reason to prioritize this is one other reason that you don't want to have a list that's too long is because these days, one of the only ways the colleges, those that are tracking your interests, which is a lot of them, the only way that they can really track your interest right now is your virtual engagement with them, right? So are you doing those information sessions? Are you doing the online tour? Are you opening emails that they send to you and clicking on links and going and spending some time and you know, kind of going down the rabbit hole, clicking a link from an email that leads you to a spot on the website where you click another link and you go somewhere else and so on and so on. They can track all of that. And the more that you do that in an engaged way, rather than just simply clicking a link, click a link, click a link. Okay, good, I'm done. But if you really are engaging with the school, um, the more that's going to tell them about how truly interested you are. And you can't do that for too many schools. Right. Yeah. No, absolutely not. I think that's a really good point. And and also to keep in mind that you can't just do that at your reach schools. And in yes. fact, it's probably more important to do it uh, for some of your safety and just right schools to really demonstrate to them. I truly am interested. I know I'm going to be strong in your pool, but I actually really do love you. And I've spent the time. Right. Um, and you're on my list for a reason. Yeah. Not because someone told me I needed to have a safety and I'm, I'm <laughs> making do with you. Which right. Actually, speaking of, probably should have said this at the beginning, but I, I neglected to ask this question. We talk about 10 to 12, we talk about a balanced list. What does that look like in the 10 to 12? What's your advice on how many safeties and that kind of thing? I would be surprised um, if if anybody in our team didn't say at least two safeties. Uh, And I think that's mostly psychological from my perspective. If you've only been admitted to those two schools, at least you get a choice between them and Mm -hmm. you're not settling for anything. So at least two safeties this year. I think because we're going to see unpredictability just across the board, I, for my students, I'm encouraging them to up that to at least three. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I would say at least three to four in that middle, just right range. Do you right. say the same thing? Yeah, I do. I think it's, if for whatever reason, it's human nature to want to have more reach schools than safety schools. I will say that for families who are just listening to the finance side of things, you heard us talk about how that merit aid is going to come more from your safety schools. So if you are trying to do a balanced school list financially, you might want to have five safeties and three or four matches, and then maybe um, a couple of reaches. But, you know, 
it just kind of depends on what is the most important mix for you. Um, I, I do, what I don't love about students who have too many reaches is that for whatever reason, again, it's human nature. You want to belong to the club that won't have you. I don't really know what that's about, but I'm not immune to this. I myself, you know, sometimes make decisions based on things like this, but um, that then you focus entirely on your reach schools to the detriment of the rest of the schools when in fact, those may be the schools you should pay the least amount of attention to, of attention to and focus more on your match and your safeties because those are more likely to be your options. So curious if you have some stories where maybe people made those mistakes or conversely were, were better about paying attention to those matches and the safeties. Actually, I worked with a student last year who I think applied to almost all safeties and just right. Oh, I love it. And um, her family actually wasn't super focused on the cost. It wasn't a critical factor for them. But her March was like, I feel like I just got a happy email from her every single day because she got in to every single school she applied to and she got crazy scholarship offers. Like we're talking a quarter of a million dollars in scholarships across all of her schools. I mean, it was incredible what she ended up being offered. And, and again, she didn't make her decision based her enrollment decision based on those offers, but she felt so good about her process. Like she walked away so proud of herself. She felt really fulfilled. Um, And I think conversely, we've probably both been on, the opposite side of that, where a student, even if they end up with really great admits, maybe they end up with fewer admits than they got denies. And that Mm -hmm. feels like it can feel like a referendum on yourself, even though that's not what that is. But I've fallen prey to that myself. And it's, it's, it can be heartbreaking. It can be really tough. Yeah, I had a a student, uh, maybe two or three years ago, who really went well past the 12 to 14. And the end result was exactly what I always try to warn people against, which is that because he put all of his focus on the significant list of reach schools that he applied to, he did not give, he did not visit match schools or safety schools. He didn't really engage with those schools. Mm -hmm. He didn't, he left those applications to last. And the result was that he had not a lot of choices. Um, he did have a, a couple of good choices, but he didn't have choices that he was as excited about. Mm. Um, and they were sort of shocked and surprised by what didn't happen. He didn't get merit money at some of those matches and safeties that they anticipated he would get. Similarly, he didn't need it, but they sort of had thought there were going to be a lot of accolades coming his way. He was mm. a, a, He was a good student, not a great student, He'd done some really interesting things outside of the classroom, but the whole thing ended up being really more of a disappointing experience than a, a strong experience. And certainly some kids can handle rejection. And I don't think it was a truly terrible experience for him, but I felt for him because there were schools that I thought, oh, they're going to take him. They're going to really love him. But I, you know, he wasn't doing those other things and it ended up harming his chances everywhere. And that's what you really hate to see. Um, So yeah, 
I, I, I'm with you. And I love that story about that young woman. And I don't think either of us are saying you shouldn't stretch, you shouldn't apply to reach schools, just that there's no harm in a, in really enjoying and loving your match and safety schools. And in mm-hmm. fact, it could make for an even better and more exciting uh, process for you. Yes. And to that end, Beth, like as you were just saying that, I thought, and what would that mean for your experience actually at that school? Are you going to be the strongest voice in the classroom or the, the student that all the professors want to work with? Like it can, it can extend beyond. So I, I think there's just so much reason to give love to those, no, those matches, those safeties, that end of the spectrum. But of course, right. drive, have your reaches. <laughs> right, exactly. And just for the record, they're only a safety for you because of your record, right? That's yes. the other thing. Yes. It's so, all about context. <laughs> right. One person's safety is another person's reach. I've seen that all the time. And why we continue we don't, not everyone does, your student did not. And I'm not saying that all of my students do either, but there does seem to be this idea that if a school is a safety, it is less than. And as much as we can encourage people to apply to fewer schools and not look at your safeties as a less than, I think we're being a good place. I think Um, so too. (laughs) Abigail, thanks so much for joining today. I really appreciate you sharing your insight and um, yeah, and taking the time. Thank you so much for having me. All right. We are going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we are talking about why this college essays for the Ivy League. So don't go away. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. When it's time to go through the college admissions process, look to Bright Horizons College Coach for ethical guidance and customized support. Our educators will get to know your students' ambitions and talents, help highlight hard-won achievements, and create a plan for getting into a top-choice school. That plan includes helping your student choose classes and extracurriculars, create a college list, brainstorm and edit essays, and navigate college financing options. Visit GetIntoCollege.com to learn more. College admissions can be stressful, but Bright Horizons College Coach is here to help. Our college experts, who worked in admissions and financial aid at some of the nation's most selective institutions, offer ethical, customized assistance based on each student's individual strengths and interests. Students receive one-on-one guidance throughout the process, and our 100% success rate means all of our students have been accepted to college. Visit GetIntoCollege.com to learn more. You are listening to Getting In, a college coach conversation. To submit a question for an upcoming listener Q&A segment or to suggest an idea for a future segment, please send an email to gettingin.voiceamerica at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everyone, to Getting In, a College Coach Conversation. Um, We have been talking today about finalizing your college list, uh, and we're going to pivot slightly now to talk about some of those supplemental essays that we're finding. Um, And joining me today to go through those is Mary Sue Yoon, who is my colleague here at College Coach, just like all of my previous guests today, uh, and also a former admissions officer at Barnard and at Whittier. Hi, Mary Sue. Hello, Beth. Nice to see you. Nice to see you as well, since this is all the seeing we're doing these days. <laughs> um, so I we did a segment 
probably about a month and a half ago around the why this college essay, which is a super common supplemental question that many, many colleges ask. Um, but in thinking through the IVs, which for better or worse, get a lot of attention, um, and we're gonna give them some today. Uh, one of the things that I know is that many of them, most of them have some version of a Why This College essay, but there's some nuance to them that I thought would be helpful if you and I went through. So we're gonna jump right in. Before we start, I am going to tell everyone we're gonna go alphabetical order. So there is no other order than that. Yeah. Uh, Mary Sue and I are both Cornell grads. We could have led with Cornell, but we're not gonna do that. We're gonna go in alphabetical order. Um, Harvard has no Why This College essay. So if you are only applying to Harvard, then you can exit stage left because you don't need to worry about a Why This College essay for Harvard. Although my advice would be don't only apply to Harvard. That's probably a bad idea. All right. Mary Sue Brown. Brown has, in my opinion, two why Brown mm -hmm. questions. Um, I'm not going to read all these questions because I think it will take too much time, but they have one about their open curriculum and then just one about how you're going to contribute. So, mm -hmm. and each of them is somewhere between 50 and 250 words. What right. kind of advice do you have on these? Uh, I think for these, the open curriculum ones uh, and is sort of beyond the the brown uh, curriculum, it it's really important to be specific. Um, so, as an admissions officer, um, where I worked in admissions, we also had a a question of why this college. And I think it's not good enough to just say Brown is prestigious and they have this flexible open curriculum. Everyone can say that. So, yes. how, you know, really read the question. How will you use it? What types of classes are you most attracted to? I think Brown really appreciates students who um, are naturally inclined to take a wide spectrum of coursework. Um, that's what they're seeking. And so you want to be able to kind of put out your full interests um, in, in that piece. Um, but it is short, so you have to get to the point pretty quickly. You do, you do. The only other thing, quick thing I would add there is that they're interested in understanding too, I think, about how you're gonna combine those interests, right? So mm -hmm. how will you bring them together? And um, I do think students who want the open curriculum simply so they can only take classes in their major and then do whatever they wanna do is not necessarily exactly the way they're envisioning you take advantage right. of it, right? Yep. Okay, second one about contributing to the Brown community. Yeah, so that could be something that could be clubs or activities within uh, the university, but could also be, you know, further out into Providence and uh, kind of the surrounding community as well. And I think, again, here, be specific, not just I'm interested in some community service, but what type of community service yes. do you see yourself doing? Um, and how does that align to stuff that you've done in the past? I would say you're connecting the dots for colleges and you want to say, here's what I've done in the past. Here's what you have, and here's how those two things go together. Again, it's short, but um, specific is better than general. Yes. I, I, I might say the mantra for this call today, for this segment today, is specific, better than general, because I totally agree. All right, Columbia, they have one question. It's pretty yeah. straightforward. Any additional advice here? Why are you interested in attending? Yeah, go beyond what they would put in a view book or um, an email to you. So you're not writing ad copy for the college. You don't need to tell them that they're in New York City. You don't need to tell them um, about the wonderfulness of New York City. Um, you can say you like New York City, but why? Why is that particularly appealing to the, to you? So I always say, you know, think of a little 
person on your shoulder uh, just continually saying why to you and make sure you're answering the why behind that question um, when you're naming certain things. Why do those particular things appeal to you? Um, but yeah, make, go again, go beyond the general. <laughs> yes. And the why, I think why is I often when I'm editing these, I say, why, 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 why do, why do you want to do this? Right? So yes. Okay. Now we're to Cornell. Um, so what, what's unique about Cornell is that Cornell has, boy, off the top of my head, seven colleges, right? Yeah. That you could apply think, to within yep. Cornell. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Yes. Woo. Thank God I know my alma mater. So there are seven schools that you could apply to at Cornell. You pick one, and based on the one that you choose, you then need to respond to their essay question. Um, Ag and Life Sciences, Arts and Sciences, um, College of Engineering, all pretty straightforward why this college essays. College of Architecture, Art and Planning does not have a why this college essay. Um, Things start to get a little bit more nuanced. Um, College of Business. Uh, Mary Sue, there is um, there are there are two schools within the College of Business. So, any particular advice on writing this why this college essay? Um, so, for this one, you do need to say um, why the why business within the lens that you're picking. So, you can either do business at Cornell through. Uh, the Applied Economics and Management Program, which is traditionally part of the Agricultural and Life Sciences School. Um, Sometimes it's a surprise to students to find that out, but learn a little bit of the history there. Um, And sometimes part of uh, the School of Hotel Administration. So I think each one kind of has a slightly different lens of looking at business and you wanna be able to clearly outline which lens you're interested in and, and why, again. Right, and they do give you the opportunity to talk about both Mm-hmm. Uh, personally, I think you got to be careful there because you might look unfocused and like all you really want is business and you don't really care where you study it, which would then mm-hmm. lead to then I guess you don't really care about studying it at Cornell. Right. So, right. So yeah. you have to be careful there. I'm not saying that w- there isn't a student out there who couldn't explain how they could be interested in it from both lenses. I would say, however, that um, you might be better off picking one or the other. I think for Cornell, more than any place, they're really looking for the best match for that particular college Mm -hmm. um, because they are segmented into the different colleges. And so and there are different readers, different admissions readers, Mm -hmm. the different colleges. And so you want to make sure that your answer is not just a general. Why do you like Cornell? But why do you like this program at Cornell? Right. And why are you a match for it? Um, I think for the College of Human Ecology and for the School of Industrial and Labor Relations, Here, it feels a little like it's a, you might not quite immediately identify that it's a why this college question, because in both cases, they're asking about your interest in your major, and then your interest in the school. So any advice on these types of why this college question? So I would say first outline um, kind of why you've picked the academic area that you've said you want to major in. Uh, What part of your background, if you, if you like um, you know, within um, the College of Human Ecology, if you're interested in being a nutrition major, what about nutrition is really something that you want to study? So first outline sort of your background with that major and, and why you're particularly picking that. But then I think the second half of the essay says, okay, but what about Cornell's nutrition program is yes. appealing to you? And so you do have to, again, connect 
the dots of not only the academic piece, um, but also the why Cornell part of it. Um, they do give you 650 words on these. So this is, I think, the longest or one of the longer of these supplements here. So you do have enough space to kind of go into detail and use yeah. it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it the balance of kind of half and half, I think, is great. I think if you can weave in your story with Cornell, I also think that's great. So rather than an essay that reads one half about you and then one half about Cornell, if you can kind of weave those two together, so much the better. Right. Not everyone can do it, but do your best. Okay, Dartmouth. Um, Dartmouth has a big long preamble and a quote and all that, but at the end of the day, what it comes down to is why this college, right? What yeah. aspects of the college's program, community, or campus environment? It's only a hundred words. Yeah. Any advice for something really short like this? Yeah, I think the question might be longer than the response. I think it might, um, be. <laughs> but a hundred words, probably three sentences or four sentences. You're just hitting the highlights. What are the major things that stand out to you about Dartmouth? Right. So you can't do details. You can't talk about particular professors or classes, really. But again, you still want to be um, as specific as possible and, and be carefully crafting those hundred words. Yes. Use them to the best of your ability. And if for you, you have one real primary reason why Dartmouth and you could probably dig into that a little bit in a hundred words. So that's another option, right? You could focus on one thing, get a little bit deeper, or you can name a couple of key, really important pieces to you. Okay, so Penn, when I worked at Penn, it was one Y Penn, and a couple of years ago, they kind of chopped it, right? They didn't really change the question. They nope. just basically were more specific. We want you to write about the academics in this one, and in the shorter one, tell us about the social sides of things. So it's pretty straightforward to me. I don't know if there's any additional advice you would give beyond what they're kind of saying in their questions. No, it used to be 650 words in all these, and I would tell students this balance. So this is perfect. Yep. Um, but, you know, the first 450 or so is, is the academic question. Last 200 is your sort of social life clubs, activities surrounding city of Philadelphia. Right. Um, but you do want to kind of divide them up. Um, they are actually separate questions now. Yes, exactly. And I agree. I used to say the same about the balance. Um, one interesting nuance about Penn is that they have a number of joint degree programs and some of those joint degree programs like the Huntsman Program in International Studies and Business and the Jerome Fisher Program in Management Technology, uh, the Nursing and Healthcare Management and the Vagilos Integrated, it's called Viper, Vagilos Integrated Program in Energy Research are all asking um, for some version of why this program essays. Um, so what's interesting is that the general advice that they will give is for you to focus on your single degree choice. So when you apply to a joint degree program at Penn, you are saying typically, if you don't admit me to the joint degree program, then please admit me to this, to one of the two schools at Penn that is kind of combining to offer the joint degree program. So management technology is between Wharton and the School of Engineering. And you're going to say, hey, if you can't accept me to M&T, please accept me to engineering or accept me to Wharton. And what they want the why this college essay to be about, the why Penn, is about your single degree choice. And here is where you dig into the joint degree program. So just wanted to make that point. All right. We have... Two minutes and two schools. So okay. <laughs> Princeton, pretty straightforward. If you are not applying to engineering, then there's no why this college essay. 
If you are applying to engineering, they have one. Any particular thoughts about this one? Um, well, I think this one, so engineering essays, um, I, I live with an engineer. I have a future one also here. So uh, I think it's just showing your engineering outlook. And I think the engineering outlook is different than a science outlook. So you want to talk about sort of what are the ways in which you try and solve problems in your life, whether those problems are apps or bridges, you know, what do you want to design? What do you want to create? And that's really an engineering outlook. And so I think you want to approach it from that, but also, again, talk about the why this college engineering program works well for that idea. Right, right, exactly. Um, and again, they are both specifically, or Princeton is specifically asking kind of why engineering here? Mm-hmm. And it's got to be specific. Um, Yale, same thing. Well, not quite the same thing. They have one why this college for everybody and then one for the engineering applicants. It is virtually the same question for Yale and Princeton for engineering. So we just talked about that. Mm-hmm. Um, Yale's other question is, what about Yale has led you to apply? That's 125 words. Uh, feels similar to Dartmouth. I don't know yep. if there's any additional feedback yep. or thoughts you would give there. Right. I think that, well, my major feedback on all of them is that it has to pass the thumb test. You can't cover up the name of the school and put in the name of another school and still have it work. If yes. it doesn't pass that, it's not a strong enough essay for that particular school. Exactly. If all you're saying is, I love that this school is in the city, or I love that Penn is in the city, and yeah. you know, you have this, I love the engineering program, and I blah, blah, blah. Well, if I could, I could put my thumb over that, and it could be about Columbia, which is also in the city, which also has an engineering program, right? So yeah. that's and, not going to work. Yeah. And I would say, big thing in general about IVs, they don't love it when you talk about their prestige and ranking. They know that already. Like, it doesn't add anything. Right. Exactly. I am forever striking out stuff that I say, this reads like marketing copy. If it reads like something the school might say to describe itself, that is not how you should be approaching it. It is not about how awesome the school is, no matter how awesome you think they are. It is really about uh, how you are going to take advantage of what's there at the school. That's what they care about at the end of the day. That's what every college cares about, um, but particularly the Ivies. Mary Sue, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. All right. Well, thank you to all my guests today. Next week, I am actually back. You're going to see a lot of me over the next couple of months, for better or worse. Mm -hmm. Um, We're going to be covering the biggest admissions and finance myths we're hearing this year. um, And also, how to know if you're ready to press submit on your early round of applications. Um, If you have questions for us, send them to us, gettingin.voiceamerica at gmail.com. Um, And don't forget, we are here every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern and 1 p.m. Pacific. Thank you for tuning in to Getting In, a college coach conversation hosted by Elizabeth Heaton and the team of experts at Bright Horizons College Coach. Join us again next Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a good week.